Big Blue could pick up their first win of the season Sunday when they take on the 1-4 Washington football team. But will they? We'll preview the matchup and make our predictions. We'll also debate whether or not the Giants should go after Le'Veon Bell. Another one of my favorite teammates, a fellow two-time Super Bowl champion, the cornerback Corey Webster joins the pod. It's showtime. Join us for a brand new Blue Rush podcast from the New York Post. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts while you're there. Give us a five-star rating right in a nice review. You can also find us wherever you get pods, whether that's Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon. Go get it. We appreciate your support. Joining us on this episode of the show is another teammate of Lawrence Tynes. He was a key cornerback on both Super Bowl championship teams. It's Webby. Corey Webster joins the show. Your host of Blue Rush are the Giants beat writer Paul FAO Schwartz and the other LT, two-time Super Bowl champion kicker number nine, Lawrence Tynes. You can follow the guys on Twitter at NYPost underscore Schwartz and at LT4Kicks to keep up with upcoming guests. But now, enough exchanging pleasantries. Let me hand it off to the two guys that won't be exchanging pleasantries. It's Lawrence Tynes and Paul Schwartz. Let's get the show rolling, fellas. Paul, this has to be the week. This has to be the game the Giants win with a short week coming up next week against the Eagles. Wow, Lawrence. Uh, uh, you're back in the day when you actually put on the pads and, and, and went out and kicked, when someone like me, a reporter, came over and said, is this a must-win? Uh, is this a must-win, Lawrence? And uh, players would always say, it's not a must-win. They're all must-wins. You know what? You're right. This is a must-win. Uh, there's no question about it. You're playing a team. The Giants are favored by three points in this game, right? The yep. only time they've been favored in the first six weeks. And if they lose, I dare say the only time they'll be favored all season. So yes. And, and, and not only are they favored and not only that they have to win, it's not only about one player. We know that, but man, does Daniel Jones need a win here? Does he need a win? Incredibly. Jerry Slipinski, the quarterback's coach the other day. This was incredible, Lawrence. What do you think of this? This is what he said about his quarterback, Daniel Jones. Unfortunately, sometimes younger guys, when they're playing and they're playing early, they take some lumps. Okay, now I'll comment there. Fine. I agree with that. But by no means do I think he's shell-shocked. And that was unsolicited. Whoa, shell-shocked. That's not a word you want to hear around a player, is it? Not at all. And and listen, he has to be. We... He just needs even a touchdown pass. I mean, it's been going on five weeks coming up this week where where he doesn't have a touchdown pass. I mean, you play quarterback in a pass-happy NFL, and you haven't thrown a touchdown pass going on, you know, four weeks, five weeks here. So shell-shocked is probably where he's at right now. I mean, I don't think he ever envisions starting off his second season 0-5. He does get Shepard back this week, I believe. So hopefully that can open up the offense a little. Uh, I'm not so – I think we got to hold the phone a little bit with Shepard so far. My vibes are not good with him as far as him okay. getting back this week. Okay, maybe with the short week, the Eagles on the Thursday night game. Uh, now, now let's – you know, the quarterback's coach didn't say he is shell-shocked, but he, him just bringing that word up. I remember – Years ago, uh, you'll probably remember this, when Jerry Reese, the general manager, was talking about Eli Manning, and he mentioned the word skittish. You remember that? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It seemed a little skittish. Man, my eyes almost popped out of my head, and that became a huge topic. Eli, are you skittish? Are you skittish? Uh, Ask the coach. Tom, is your quarterback skittish? I mean, there's certain words, right? Kicker doesn't want to be saying, Lawrence, you have a little bit of the yips. 
Yeah, right. little, is, he, is this guy a little flaky, right? You don't ever want to be accused of being skittish or shell-shocked. Or, but listen, it, some of his play has resembled that, right? I, I, I saw a lot of backpedaling uh, against Dallas where he, was, he would make one read and then he was just like, let me get the hell out of here. Let me roll to the right. And he threw a lot of balls off his back foot. So maybe skittish is the right word for Daniel. I think he is a tough guy. I think he will stand in the pocket, but nobody likes getting their butt kicked every week and getting hit in the face. So he will play better this week. So, we, you know, it's we're playing a weak opponent. It's the Washington Redskins. This is the week they have to win. Uh, one more on Daniel Jones. He His quarterback coach said, I promise you, no one takes a loss harder than he does. Is that necessarily a good thing? Can you can, can is it possible for a professional athlete? Have you seen guys who take losses too hard? Uh no, no names kind of you know pop off the top of my head right here. You know, and listen, I never played on teams that have done this much losing, to be honest with you. Uh, I mean, good point. Good uh, point. two games in a row, maybe, uh, maybe three. And it felt like the world was caving in. But, man, this guy has lost a ton of football games, and the team has. But if we're attaching win-loss record to quarterbacks, which we do, I mean, listen, three and – what is it, three and 14? Three and – yeah, three and 14 is a starter. There's been a lot of losing there. I mean, I'm not saying he's getting used to it, but it's got to be hard. I mean, I don't think he really knows what it feels like to win. His last win was against this Washington football team, I believe, last year. Yep, that's right. Now, it is the duty of every front office, right, whether you're 5-0 and or 0-5, to find talent, right? F- add to the roster. You know, they sign guys. They put them on practice squads. Sometimes it doesn't make a lot of noise. And sometimes these guys pan out. You have to improve the roster every day if you can. With that in mind, there is a certain running back out there who the Jets just cut because they couldn't trade him. I think you know who I'm talking about. Should the Giants make a play for Le'Veon Bell? Hell yeah, I would. Okay, I mean, we're, we're gonna get we're gonna get into this. Go ahead, Kimmy Walker. Yeah, Walter. bring him in. I mean, listen, he he's he wasn't obviously there was a, a disconnect between him and, and Coach Gase in New York. It started off poorly, and obviously it ended poorly. I think if he came to a new situation in New York, he wouldn't have to really pick up and move his whole family again and go back to Pittsburgh where we all kind of envision him ending up. I would kind of try and woo him on a one-year deal. Uh, listen, the reality of the situation is, is that Saquon Barkley tore his ACL. We don't know what Saquon Barkley looks like moving forward. I'm not saying we all know the history of running backs coming back from ACLs. You get this guy. He has something to prove. He can do it you know, right across the street for the New York Giants if they can give him a, a deal that makes sense and see what you have. It's a 12-game rental. I'm not yeah. saying commit to him long-term, uh, but see what you uh, got. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of – my skin's crawling a little bit. First of all, uh, they would have to pay him almost nothing. I think the Jets still – he's on the books for about $6 million. And what about the C word we talk about all the time? Culture. Culture. Is yeah. this this guy Is this guy a team guy? He's, he's tweeting and going on social media against the Jets now. I understand. Everybody, if you want to get away from the Jets, what do you do? Tweet a couple of things. Retweet, like, like a couple yeah. of things. They'll try to trade you. And, or they'll get rid of you, right? And you'll go somewhere else. I think he's going to go to the Bears myself. I think that's okay. a perfect spot for him. But um, all right, we'll agree to disagree on that. I, I don't think they're not going anywhere this year. Le'Veon Bell to me is a headache. Uh, that's the way I look at it. It could be. And listen, they, they may think that. I'm just thinking in terms of talent on the field. Sure, there, it's the whole package you have to consider. But uh, I would give him a shot. If I was running the football team, Le Bell, come on over. Oh, boy. Okay. I want to play you in fantasy football this week. All right. I, I, sure. I uh, Even though fantasy football, the culture doesn't really matter, does it? Uh, now, it does. Now, now, you mentioned uh, they have to win this week. You said the last time Daniel Jones won a game, you were correct. It was week 16 against Washington. And that Jeez. game, that game was really, really interesting, Lawrence. He threw five touchdown passes, no interceptions. Mm-hmm. 
quarterback rating of 132.1. And mm. what did that get the Giants? It got them, you know, they lost the number two pick, right? Yes. They moved it got the Giants, Andrew or... Thomas, and not yeah. Chase Young. Did they lose for winning that game? So do you, are you saying that if the Giants still had that pick, they would have taken Chase Young over Andrew Thomas? Oh, absolutely. Really? Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. I okay. mean, look, yes. I mean, they needed an offensive tackle and they needed a pass rusher. Chase Young was rated was higher on their board than Andrew Thomas. Chase Young is 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 a monster. He was considered the same as the Bosa's, the same as any of these premier pass rushers. It was an obvious need position. Yeah. You know, so we're going to revisit that this week. Andrew Thomas is struggling. Chase Young is playing. Uh, He just came back off a groin injury. He's got two and a half sacks. And, you know, Andrew Thomas and and Chase Young could be going against each other for what, 10 years? The Giants hope so, right? Twice a year. Twice a year. Twice a year. And and it's a battle royale. And the Giants could have had this guy. Have you ever been in a situation ever when you've been on the field and it's like, man, maybe we'd be better off if we lost this game. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, I mean, organizationally, sure. Yeah. But like in terms of players and competing, I, I get it. Right. Cause there was uproar. Hey, why didn't we play to lose? You, NFL players are not programmed to play to lose football games. Now, naturally, if you want to chase young, uh, I'm sure John Merrick could have called down and said, Hey, coach Shermer, uh, why don't you start Aldrick Rosas as the quarterback today? So, but no, it's, it's hard. I get it. Listen, chase Young's a great player. I still like Andrew Thomas. I do think it is easier to come in and play defensive end versus playing mm-hmm. offensive tackle. So, but I like our pick. Uh, it'll be, I, that's going to be one matchup for sure. I'm going to watch closely this Sunday. Well, I'll tell you something. If that scenario happened last year, Lawrence, all John Mara would have to do is call down to Pat Shermer and say, Pat, do what you do. Yeah. <laughs> coach the game, coach right. the game the way you want to coach it. And yeah, it'd be about a 90% chance they're going to lose. Anyway. Lose. Yeah. So but it doesn't Daniel, like Daniel goes off for five touchdowns. So yeah, don't, uh-oh. don't get out of your element. Just do what you do. This is what Mark Colombo, the offensive line coach said this week about Andrew Thomas. He said, I think Andrew's capable of being a dominating left tackle, but he also said, we've got to start, start taking leaps we haven't done that. And he said, there have been kind of baby steps, and that's something we have to fix. Man, would this be a good week for those baby steps to become leaps against this monster rookie? You know, it's rookie against rookie. Yeah, they both know as players that they were talked about as being, you know, a pick of the Giants. And obviously, I'm sure Andrew Thomas knows that they would have preferred maybe Chase Young over himself. So this game will have a little bit of extra in it, kind of like the Golden Tate-Ramsey deal. We, we have an individual matchup in this game that we can watch. So I think Andrew Thomas will play well. I hope he does. He's going to be gassed up a little bit to go against the guy that everyone says the Giants should have taken. So professional pride sets in, and Andrew Thomas has you know, he struggled a little bit. Let's be real. He, he definitely has had his moments of good and bad. So I think he'll, he'll step up and play well again this week. We'll see. Now, now we've been talking about Daniel Jones, right, and the, the trials and tribulations of the number six pick in the draft two years ago. What do you think they're talking about on sports radio and podcasts in Washington about the number 15 pick in last year's draft? Man, that's a tough situation. You hate to see it. I mean, I don't ever want to see picks that high, you know, already get the boot, so to speak. I mean, you're talking about a guy who almost 
had his leg amputated and hasn't played football in two years, is playing in front of this young guy. So Dwayne Haskins has obviously not uh, got off on the right foot with this new coaching staff. Um, Kyle Allen's going to start. It looks like Alex Smith's going to back him up. I'm going to hold my breath if Alex Smith gets back in there, just like I did this weekend when I saw him play. Because Just like his all, wife did. Did you see that video? All, yeah, we all yeah. saw the documentary. What has it been, a year ago? Maybe not even that long. I mean, that was some scary, scary stuff for sure. And yeah, Dwayne Haskins is really, you know, falling off the map. I mean, I guess he is no longer in their plans. When you're the third string guy and not even dressing on game day as the 15th pick a year ago, that's a big deal. So I would say, at least, at least in regards to the quarterback, the Giants got it right taking Daniel Jones over Dwayne Haskins. Yeah, how about Ron Rivera? He has been incredibly, I mean, you talk about plain speak. He was really, he said about, you know, this is not a guy he drafted, okay? So he doesn't have any equity in him. He said, we went into training camp. We gave him every rep with the ones. We gave him a chance to play and he played four straight games and every rep he's doing with the ones. And in the evaluation process, we weren't seeing what we needed to see. We didn't see the growth that we thought we needed. So he Mm -hmm. gets the boot. and, And incredibly, I was at Dwayne Haskins Pro Day. The New York Post sent me down to Columbus, Ohio. I was the only New York writer there. And I talked to Pat Shermer afterwards. And the guy had a, you know, the kid had a, a nice workout. You know, he's throwing against the air. Well, they all great. do at shorts, right? Yeah, I mean, everyone yeah. has a great workout. And, and and he's he looks, he's he's a good looking, you know, big guy. He's he's slow as anything. You know, his 40 time was slower than Eli Manning. So that wow. right there should discount the guy, right? For sure. Yeah. And so he, you know, but I I could tell talking to Pat Shermer that day, he wasn't in love with him. The Giants weren't in love with them, but the Giants took some heat. Haskins had 50 touchdown passes in his last year there, you know, and Daniel Jones had 50 touchdown passes or so in his three-year career at Duke. So numerically it didn't add up, but I think the Giants are happier with Daniel Jones certainly than, uh, you know, Dwayne Haskins. I mean, this is, this is an incredible thing. One one quick thing. Have you ever seen coaches uh, cut a guy to send a message? Uh, Not during my career. I don't think, I mean, I I can't remember one situation. I think you're referring to Ratley getting cut. I don't know that that was really a message sending cut. I mean, the guy's was a waiver claim. He's been Mm -hmm. on two teams in three years. He only had four catches this season. So he made a mistake there in that on that route that ended up costing us a touchdown. But I just think that was more production related. I don't think it was necessarily because of that play, but I could be wrong. No, I, I agree with you that they didn't make this move and say, man, this is going to send a message. But yeah. the, the byproduct of this is that this guy made a mistake. He got cut. Obviously, if Darius Slayton makes a mistake, he doesn't get cut. But I think this is a positive message, not for Damian Ratley, but for the rest of the players who remain, that there are repercussions just like penalty laps, right? There are repercussions for making mistakes. And when you're a fringe player and you make a mistake, you get cut or you get demoted or whatever happens there. So who do you like? I guess I'll I'll go first. I'm going to say the Giants win their first game of the season and they win 27 to three. Uh, Excuse me. We must have had a 27 to three. Well, they're coming out. 27 to 23, did you say? 27 to three. Three? Three? 27 to three. So you mean like a field goal? If I have to say it again, you say 27 it again. to three. Okay. Wow. Okay. And 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 just so you know, because you have a lot of great teammates, that you realize that all your buddies, the back of the bus buddies, Strahan okay. and OC and Tuck and the great Dave Tollefson, they are not playing Sunday. You do realize that, right? That's right. Okay. I, just so just so we're we're clear on this. I hope you didn't have like a flashback, you know, one of those acid flashbacks or something. Okay. I um, I do think now now I'm going against myself here because I have said. All season, I am not picking the Giants till they win a game. 
They have not won a game, but they have covered in three of their games. So I'll, I'll take a little pass on that. I think the Giants are going to win. I think they're the better team, even though they're 0-5 versus 1-4. I will give the Redskins more than three points. I think, you know, I, I don't think the Giants can hold anybody at three points. I think it's kind of going to be like a 23-17 to 17 kind of a game, something like that, that the Giants win. And I'm going to go 2017, guys. I think 27-3. Tynesy is smoking something over there. That's (laughs) that's a little crazy. Uh, And what's crazy is that if the Giants do win, they are half game out potentially of the playoffs because the Cowboys will play Arizona with uh, Andy Dalton and the Eagles will play the Ravens. So the Giants at 1-4 could be right in the thick of a playoff race. Who would have thunk it? Coming up next, it's an earplugs edition of Tyne's Time. All right, here goes Tynes again from 47 yards to kick the Giants to the Super Bowl. Snap is good. Kick on its way. End of run. Does it have the distance it is? Good. Lawrence Tynes has kicked the Giants to the Super Bowl after missing at the end of regulation. And Tynes runs into the tunnel to our right. And the New York Giants are going to Super Bowl 42 in overtime. They beat the Packers 23-20. Low snap. The kick is good, and the Giants are going back to the Super Bowl. And that was Bob Papa of Giants Radio and Joe Buck of Fox Sports on the calls as Lawrence Tynes kicked the Giants to Super Bowl 42 and Super Bowl 46. Those calls from the NFC Championship games in 2008 in Green Bay and 2012 in San Francisco. And it's now time for this edition of Tynes Time where Lawrence Tynes tells a story from his playing days. Take it away, LT. So on this edition of Tynes Time, I'm going to call it I Can't Hear You. When I got to New York, meet Jeff Eagles. He's our punter, holder, one of the greatest all time. I was so excited to meet him. I noticed a very unique thing about Jeff as we got into the regular season. Now, I didn't notice this in camp because I don't think he wore them then. And then I didn't really notice it in preseason either, but I noticed after about the second game of the regular season that year, and I think we played the Packers at home, Jeff wore earplugs. And Jeff's pretty hard of hearing. If you know Jeff, he's he's already hard, hard of hearing. But in addition to it, I, I just always thought, because he'll tell you when he meets you, hey, I don't hear real well, but... So I always thought it was that. And then I find out he wears earplugs. So I asked a million questions about why do you wear them? Do they work? You know, so two or three weeks later, I've went to the audiologist. I've got fitted for my custom made earplugs at 27 years old. I put them in play at practice for two weeks before I felt, all right, let me put them in gameplay. And sure enough, I never played another football game uh, without earplugs. And so a lot of you are probably like, earplugs? Well, why earplugs? Well, it really just brought in your focus level. So as kickers and punters, the ultimate thing you need is poise and focus. And it, and for me, it really helped me dial in and focus more, especially in, on game day. And so I put them in right be- about an hour before pregame started for us. So I would wear them for, you know, almost four hours on Sundays. Really came in handy when you know, you did something poorly or missed a field goal or something like that. And Coach Coughlin comes over like, what the hell are you doing? What's the, you know, you just kind of point your ears because he knew we all wore them. And you just go, God, Coach, I can't hear you. And then he just kind of, you know, flap his hands at you and say, ah, get out of here. So 
came in quite handy there. But I, I'll be honest with you, uh, young players today that I work with, kickers, punters, specialists, highly recommend the earplugs. So if you're listening and you're a young kicker, young punter, I would try earplugs. You can get just basic, you know, the generic ones that you can shove down your ear right now. And then if you like it, then get some custom made ones that work really well. But Highly, highly, highly recommend it. There's, you know, more specialists in the league that wear them now. Put the earplugs in, and when Coach yells at you, tell him, I can't hear you. Joining Blue Rush next was a guy who was a key contributor to the Giants' two Super Bowl championship teams in the 2007 and 2011 seasons. He spent nine seasons with Big Blue from 2005 through 2013. The cornerback came up clutch the entire 2007-2008 postseason, locking down the likes of Terrell Owens, Randy Moss, and intercepting Brett Favre on his final pass as a Packer in a frigid Green Bay, which would eventually lead to Lawrence Tynes' field goal to send the Giants to Super Bowl 42. It's two-time Super Bowl champion, LSU national champion, number 23, Corey Webster. You can follow Webby on Twitter and Instagram at IMCWeb. Corey, Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, Paul Schwartz. What's going on, man? Great day, fellas. All is super great again, that. How you guys doing? We're doing great, Webby. Hey, thanks for coming on. Talk to you a little bit. I, I've seen the Instagram videos. I've seen you talking to inmates. I've seen you. You've always been a great leader. You were a great leader for our football team. What, what are you doing right Is that something you're doing every day? Is it just something you're kind of messing around with? What, what's going on with the speaking engagements? Well, always was working on mentoring and things of that nature. Um, that just came naturally to me. I thought, you know, because of the platform that I have, it's only right to give back. And um, so whenever I get a chance to do it, whether it's I did do it through my foundation, but the prison gig, that was just something because I knew somebody that was there and I had an opportunity to go there. So I went there and blessed them. And now um, we're working on being able to do more of that. Now it's a little harder now that COVID-19 has came, but um, I think that was something that was real special that they enjoyed, but I also got a lot from that as well. Hey, Corey, it's Paul. It's good to hear from you again. I have a, I remember talking to David Tyree several times after Super Bowl 42. And one time I said to him, David, are you tired of talking about the catch? And he looked at me, he was like, I don't think I'm going to get tired of talking about this catch. <laughs> I would ask you, Corey, are you tired of talking about the interception in Green Bay that got you and your teammates not only to the Super Bowl, but into the locker room and out of that frozen tundra? Um, maybe tired of talking about how cold it was, but never tired <laughs> of talking about the interception. Uh, you know, I'm a Southern boy, so I'm from Louisiana, so I wasn't too fond of the cold that, that was out there. I think it's the cold, third coldest game ever, so. Um, but now I never get tired of talking about the catch, man. Um, I have to agree with David Tyree. It was a blessing to be in that situation and, you know, to put the New York Giants over the top and, you know, let LT come there and do his thing. And, you know, we played in the Super Bowl and winning. Can, can you take us through that play? I mean, I can remember seeing it. I was at Lambeau Field and he's looking to his right and you're there. I mean, it looked slow motion. Can you, what did you see? What did you sense, you know, and, and, and getting a Hall of Fame quarterback like that well take us through that well it had to go back early in the game where I gave up a big play and um, just wanted to you know redeem myself as well as put my team in a position to be successful so we know down the driver and Brent Favre had a big connection before you know even coming into the game so just wanted to put myself in position they was running the out route we was able to make an inside release and then slip underneath the route um, right at the end of it and it was very very slow I can remember that ball like it was in the air forever and um, just wanted to make sure they ensured the catch because, again, you was talking about how cold it was. Made the catch, got down, and 
you know, the rest of history. LT took it and did his thing. I do not have the ball. I gave it to um, Lieutenant Colonel Greg Getson. Um, I don't know if you remember him. I know you do, Ty. Remember, he um, used to always come do a lot of motivational talk with us. He was a part of the whole run that we had. You remember? Absolutely, I do. That's that's pretty special. He's a good man. Yeah, so he has the ball. He always, um, when I, I haven't seen him in a while, but um, when I do, he always remind me that, do you want the ball? Do you want the ball? But I think it's a great hit. Corey, that, you know, that season, you only started three games, and then the playoff comes around, and you became like a, a monster from Space Jam. I mean, you were sipping on, on a, some kind of drink and some kind of juice and you you were you know, running it in the uh, postseason I mean you intercept Jeff Garcia you shut down Terrell Owens uh, Randy Moss the you know the pick in Green Bay you were just talking about what happened what was your mindset and how'd you become this like pro bowl-esque corner uh, out of after just starting a few games during the season well, um, for me, I, I never change. I know who I am as a person. So I think, um, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm on the field or not. I always train and know that I got to work like a starter, work like the best. So um, even with me not starting, I always try to do anything that I could to make my teammates better, uh, make the offense better, help out where I can help out. And I think that's just a, a sign of doing that. So when my number was called, it was easy to get right back in there and do the things that I enjoy doing, that's competing and competing against some of the best athletes. And the rest is what you just said, history. I wanted to talk about the sweet towel. So I was a part of the DBs, if you guys can all believe that. I was a part back. of the DBs. I Isn't that right, Webby? So back, in, back. <laughs> in, in practice, so Corey, I believe it's Corey, that maybe, did you start this before Antrell got there or was it when? Yeah, it actually started with uh, Strahan. Okay. That's right. So, so yeah. So one day I get to my locker and I see these sweet towels. So if you don't know what a sweet towel is, it's, you know, like DBs and athletes have them kind of hanging off the back of their pants and it just looks sweet. So they call it a sweet towel. So I get to my locker one day and I see we had a white one with red numerals and then a red one with white numerals. And it, and it said nasty nine on it because Corey always just called me nasty nine. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not nasty. I did shower after every practice. Back. But he called me Nasty Nine. I don't know what the reason was, but I had this sweet towel. We would wear them. You guys probably wore them every day, but I think I just wore them on Fridays because I obviously help with the DBs and practice sometimes with Coach Junta and them. But what was the origin of the sweet towels? I know you referenced Strahan, but you had this unbelievable, uncanny ability to bring people together. I mean, everyone gravitated towards Corey Webster. New guys, old guys, Deion Grant, Aaron Ross. We The DBs, if there was one group on our team that you could say was so close, it was you guys. How did you guys make that happen? Um, well, we know what it, um, you know, all of us that came from very special times. And what I mean by that, we knew what it was and what it took to win early on. All those guys that you named won national championships in college. So we knew it took more than just um, individuals to win at the highest level. So that was our job, you know what I mean? And, um, being a part of that DV group, it wasn't about really um, swagger and things like that. Now, we had that, but that came just effortlessly. But it was about, you know, working hard to be better. If you remember, they had DB rules that went along with those sweet towels. If you didn't participate in the rules of, you know, doing the little things better, like um, jogging on and off the field, you know, holding each other accountable. Um, it was about 13 or 14 rules that we had. That's where that came back. So the sweet rag was kind of a, a symbol to let people know that this is what these guys are doing. And mostly everybody has them. Now, like you said, some of the guys only warm on Fridays. We warm every day and we had different colors because we wanted to come out there and, you know, we wanted to make a fashion statement sometimes as well. But um, that's what that was about. Corey, you talked about, obviously, the great interception in Green Bay. Now, that gets you to the Super Bowl. Now, in the Super Bowl, you had to be the calmest, coolest, collected guy because you're winning the game. Plaxico makes the catch, right? 
Tom Brady gets the ball one more time. Jay Alford gets that sack. Looks like the game is over, right? And Tom Brady throws how his last pass, I think, is still in the air. That's how far he threw that yeah. ball, right? So so all of a sudden, you look up, and the game is over, right? Except there's one play left, and Randy Moss is running 100 miles an hour, and Tom Brady throws it 70 yards in the air, and, oh, my God, for a minute, it looks like this could be a miracle. What did you What did you see there? And you still had to make a play, didn't you? Still had to. Um, you know, we always say 0-0, zero, zero, meaning that's what the score until the clock hit zero zero, so they still had time on the clock. So we had to finish, and uh, we know they was gonna, you know, make a hail mary type pass. We know the effect that Randy Moss have on, um, you know, putting pressure on the DBs. And really and truly, at the end of the day, I misjudged that ball because I was supposed to catch it. <laughs> so I was able to get a finger on it. I think it was my, my may have been my ring finger that we was blessed with, but I actually misjudged it at the end of the day. But uh, it was enough to get us off the field and you know to feel it to feel a game and to finish it the right way. Corey, did you marvel at the guys in front of you? We've had, you know, Tuck on and Tollison, and we've had these guys in the defensive line who were just so damn good and putting pressure on the quarterback. One, did you marvel at their performance? And two, how did that make you guys in the secondary better? I'd have to imagine it made your life easier a lot of times because, you know, the quarterback was on their ass so many times. Yeah, um, well, you know, we always we always give credit where credit is due. We had a great front, but um, everybody did their part, you know what I mean? And everybody showed up when, when they needed to. But Coach Saban always told me that if you see a good cornerback, you see a great um, defensive line. If you see a great defensive line, you see great DB. So those two go neck and neck, hand in hand. And all those guys had sweet rags as well. But those guys did a fantastic job of putting pressure on the quarterback, making the ball come out there fast. And, you know, sometimes we – um, was able to, you know, have good coverage and allow them to get more time. So they complement each other beautifully. And, um, you know, I have much respect to those guys. All are great legends um, in my, you know, in my opinion. Um, but they did a great job and we was able to compliment them well. Corey, I love reminiscing. I could talk about our careers all day long. But let's, let's fast forward to this 2020 New York Giants football team. And boy, has it been a rough start. It's been a rough five, six, seven years because I know you bleed blue like I do. What do you what do you see as a fan, right? Watching the football games on Sunday. Sure, we're not involved every day, but what do you think is missing? I think um, time and everything changes. Um, I think um, not to get too, you know, you always want to see something that you have put time in and you have helped get to a certain level. You want to see it continue to do that and do better. You know, I mean, it's almost like with your kids. You always want your kids to do better than you, and um, just. We're not seeing that right now. With the culture and how things work, I think um, everybody's not in love with the game. And it's not just the players I'm talking about, just the whole overall, um, not just the Giants in in my perspective, but um, I don't think everybody's in love with the game. They're in love with what comes with the game. So I think we get to see some of that. Some people are in New York City and it's beautiful because it's bright light, big city. You get all the attention in the world, but everybody's not about football. And I think that's what we get to see now because of these slow starts are, you know, the – the games or the, the years that we're putting together of not having any winning seasons. Um, I think more people are in love with what comes with the game of football, especially in New York, because there's a lot that comes with the game in New York. And I think we get lost in the shuffle of what's really important in that football. Can you expand on that a little bit? Do you, do you mean like guys, just the egos, you know, the social media and everything that goes around it? The egos, social media, um, the whole nine, you know, the internet is, is here now. So in dealing with that, I don't think everybody truly understands. That goes for coaches and, you know, 
ownership as well. Not just, like I said, not just in New York, but that's just a, a key problem. And I don't think everybody has got a grip of how to handle that. You know, when we was in the league, we came in, I think uh, we understood how to be with social media and how to be without it because we came in at that perfect time, right? But we know what it was to be, you know, on both sides of it. Well, these guys right now, all they know is social media. So in, in a way, that makes people unconsciously worry about themselves more than anything else. So how many likes I got? You know, if I go out and do this, is that going to get this going? You know what I mean? And, you know, again, when we started this time, you talked about, you know, people that was doing things to bring everybody together. And football is the ultimate team sport. So if you don't have people that's building that type of culture, it's going to be hard to be successful on Sundays or Mondays, whenever the games are. Corey, I remember vividly the 2005 draft. It was the year after Eli Manning gets drafted, right? So there's no first round pick. And you know how it is, Corey. Everyone is so pumped up about that first round pick, right? So everyone's kind of down. Man, we have no first round pick this year. So the 2005 draft, there were four picks the Giants made, only four. Second round, Corey Webster out of LSU. Third round, Justin Tuck out of Notre Dame. Fourth round, Brandon Jacobs out of Southern Illinois. Lawrence Tynes just said there are only 14 guys who have two rings from the 42 and 46. Three of those guys were in your little, little draft class. I mean, did you ever look at that and say, man, we weren't a big class. We weren't, the, we were the smallest class, but in some ways we might've been the best class. Um, I do. Uh, I kind of look at that both ways for LSU as well. I felt like it was not that the guys that came before us, I don't respect them or anything like that, but I do feel like we had a big impact. Um, and me and Brandon Jacobs have been knowing each other since kids, like literally uh, playing on the same AU team and things like that together. So I do think of it that way. Um, and I think that's how it was easy to, you know, get other people going because they saw the closeness in our group. So the next group that comes behind is it, it, easy to, to, to build that type of a culture, if you understand what I'm saying. So I think even after that, like Aaron Ross and, um, Ahmad Bradshaw and those guys, those very close. Michael Johnson, those draft classes was very close. I think, you know, they came in and won the Super Bowl as a, a rookie class. So um, I think that's very important to, to recognize. And I'm happy that you've seen it that way as well, us being a part of kind of like building that foundation to success. And um, like I said, that's why you hate to see where it is right now. I'll tell you one thing, Corey. The Giants of today and the last few years would take that, your draft class, any day of the week right now, right? They've <laughs> yeah. had a hard time drafting. Yeah. If they could get a shutdown cornerback, a all-pro defensive end, and a bruising running back, man, that would go a long way in helping this team. I tell you that much. I'm, I'm going to start using that, too. I um, I didn't know that like that since you brought that to my knowledge. I'm going I'm, I'm to definitely have to remember our draft class and, you know, kind of kind of put some big ups behind it now. If you make any money on it, Corey, we go 50-50 with this, okay? <laughs> I yeah, got I, it. Okay? I, Come on. Like we, don't shut me out here, okay? Nah, I can't. can't do that. I like it. Hey, Webby, we'll have to send Paul a sweet towel. Definitely, yeah. <laughs> we'll get, hey, we'll get Schwartzy on there. Schwartzy. He, he already I'll got his nickname I'll already. Take it. We got to develop him a nickname. <laughs> Schwartzy. We got a couple. Paulie. I got a couple I can Short, think of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 There were, I had a couple of nicknames in that locker room probably when guys didn't like yeah. what I wrote. So I, I don't want to hear I don't want to hear those nicknames. We gotta keep it clean. I got you. <laughs> Corey, you don't see many players play their entire career with one team. I mean, even Tom Brady left New England and we didn't think that was gonna happen uh for a long time. How special was it for you? How much pride did you have in being a giant your whole life? Um, that was big to me. Um, I didn't want to um, go nowhere, start over, and do a whole new learning 
of a locker room and you know because i put so much into it um like trying to say i take um pride into it you know what i mean so i don't have you know no other team i didn't have no team really growing up you know what i mean i was i was a basketball i was a hooper so i was you know a fan of certain players but i wasn't like a new Orleans saints fan or anything like that growing up so the giants are my team so um, um that was very important you know what i mean now if stuff could have happened other ways for Giants, then that might be a different story. But I wasn't going anywhere else and playing any other football after my time was done with New York. Are you still on Coughlin time today in your life? Definitely. Um, I don't think I'm going to ever be off of Coughlin times. I think <laughs> I think that stuck with me forever. And I'm gonna keep passing it down to my my younger generation. So in the last seven years, and you're you're not, you know you're never late for anything. Kids practice. Uh, dinner, lunch, you're going to be five minutes early at least uh, for the rest of your life. That's pretty cool. A lot of guys say that, and I don't know if it's true, but I believe at times you're you're usually pretty punctual with uh, being early. Yeah, I think anyone that played on those football teams with Coach Coughlin, everyone we've had on the show, Corey, everyone answers the same way. We had Rich on the other day, OC, you name it, everyone is early. Uh, rest in peace to Kobe Bryant, but when he was telling his story about arriving um, in the carpool line, at a certain time, my kids look at me like, what? Yeah, that's, I'm that guy. I'm that early. I'm waiting. I, you know, if it's, if it's a line, I want to be number one or number two in that line. Um, <laughs> and vice versa, if we doing any extracurricular activities, I'm trying to get them there, you know, early. So, you know, if you get there early, you're on time. If you get there on time, you're late. If you get there late, there's no excuse for that. So Corey Webster is at the grocery store when the senior citizens show up at 7 a.m. Uh, before everyone Most else definitely. does. <laughs> Beat the crowd. You know, with COVID going on, you know, it's not nothing to play with. But with COVID going on, you know, I can't go at that time because they specifically opened it up for certain <laughs> ages that time. That's not true. You know yeah. I mean? So the one time you'll be late, it's COVID. You got to blame it. Um, Corey, yeah, I got to. Yeah, Corey Webster, Louisiana's own IMC Web on Twitter and Instagram, two-time Super Bowl champion, number 23, LSU national champ. Uh, Corey, we loved uh, reminiscing with you, talking some Giants with you, and we appreciate you coming on Blue Rush. Thank you very much, man, and look forward to maybe talking to you guys again, and we got to get to that sweet talk. <laughs> yes. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Corey. Adios, episode 44, the Ahmad Bradshaw edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Alex Camerata for producing the show. Please give Blue Rush a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write in a nice review. If you don't use Apple, find us on Spotify, Stitcher, or Google. For Paul Schwartz, I'm Lawrence Tynes. See you all Monday morning after the Giants-Washington game. It's time to get a victory. Go G-Men and stay safe.